All right, welcome back to Insight Flicks. It's time for our weekly box office report. This is where we dive into the latest box office numbers. So let's get started. Rich, could you please give us the top five movies that made a huge impression at this box office this past weekend? Yes, the number one film in America is Fast X, coming in with $67 million. Number two is The Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 with $32.4 million. Coming in number three is the Super Mario Bros. movie uh, with $9.6 million. Coming in number four is The Book Club, the next chapter with $3 million. And round out the top five is Evil Dead Rise with $2.4 million. Uh, so these numbers for Fast X are not too surprising. We kind of knew it was going to come in a little bit lower than expected. Uh, with that being said, it looks it doesn't look so good for spinoff potential or even for that third one that Vin Diesel kind of threw out there mm-hmm. because, it, uh, it, you know, they spent a lot of money on promoting this movie. And if- Yeah, but the international numbers are so good. And if it can maintain, you know, a steady hold internationally, um. I mean, this could be one of the biggest movies of the year. I mean, we just have to kind of wait and see because, I mean, the last Fast and the Furious came out during the pandemic. But, uh, you know, Fate of the Furious, the 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 one that um, F. Gary Gray directed, mm-hmm. that one made like, what, $800 million? Or no, that made, actually, actually made, that made $1.2 billion. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, if this can have those international numbers, because that movie only made about $200 million domestic, if, if that, th- this could repeat that success. Yeah, these fast films, I mean, uh, they've always been relying on the international since probably the early days of the the series. Um, internationally, this is a huge hit. It already made, a, a, you know, close to $250 million internationally. These fast films open up in China and they always open huge. Yeah. Just to compare, the the the, interna- the, the, the the release in China is over the domestic released. Mm-hmm. So it's just, that, that's incredible. I believe this is one of the Hollywood's best opening in China w- w- with Fast X. And just, it's 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 surprising that uh, it seems like the fan base for a Fast and Furious franchise, it's a little bit bigger outside of the US. And uh, I think maybe that has something to do with how well it translates over there, mm-hmm. you know, because this franchise has emphasize on the action rather than say the, the plot development or characters or even dialogue but, <laughs> you know but also you know i think people kind of just r- see themselves as a lot of these characters you know what i mean like i think people like kind of uh they don't necessarily relate with these characters when it comes to like the story and, and narrative but i think they come they relate to them when it comes to lifestyle uh, i i think you know the the i think that's really what what, what has a lot of people coming back to it yeah, and I think the the popularity in the states might be uh, fading a bit. Uh, yeah. And I think a lot of it has to do with the criticisms of the of the storyline. You know, I think that with this latest film, people have really kind of criticized the plot, the nonsensical uh, plot devices for it. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I think in here in the states, I think the franchise is more looked as a a little bit of a joke, a little bit kind of popcorn filler. Where I think it translates better in in other non English speaking countries because it just really people see those movies are kind of these big action spectacles. They're also watching them like subtitled and dubbed, so maybe <laughs> yeah. like the acting seems better. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, every time I watch a movie subtitled, I'm reading the subtitles and I'm putting a Oscar worthy performance in any film <laughs> I watch. You know, so yeah, it makes a lot more sense that it translates better in uh, in in other countries. We're really talking about a franchise where the first movie was basically a copycat of Keanu Reeves' uh, Point Break. 
you know, where Paul mm-hmm. Walker stepped into the Keanu Reeves role while Vin Diesel played kind of the Patrick Swayze character. And it's just strange how Point Break didn't end up making 10 <laughs> sequels, but, you know, Fast and the Furious end up making, the, you know, this franchise. So it, it's just, it's, I find it so fascinating how some movies just click with audiences and others movies just kind of become these cult well, I mean, I mean, I mean, Point Break could have probably done that if they had made sequels with some of the leads and spinoffs, but Fast and the Furious had a strange history. I mean, you know, they made Too Fast, Too Furious, which didn't bring back Vin Diesel and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, introduced the, the, Ty- the Tyrese and Ludacris characters. And then those, and then eventually the, the Ludacris character is completely like retconned and becomes like some kind of computer hacker for some reason. <laughs> I, I don't know. Then they did the Tokyo Drift, mm-hmm. which is strange. Then uh, 4 is kind of, I think, where they started to get stupid and ridiculous and kind of became the franchise it is today. I mean, Tokyo Drift was like the first one where Justin Lin jumped onto the franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's the one who kind of brought in that kind of uh, minority uh, demographic. He, you know, It was kind of a failing franchise already. And he brought some energy. He brought in the Asian influence. Mm-hmm. By the time we got to Fast Five, I think uh, it had built a fan base that is mm. predominantly cons- consist of younger audiences and a more diverse demographic. Because of the timing, uh, the franchise kind mm. of connected to a car culture and also the underground racing culture. Which is obviously still al- alive and thriving. I mean, uh, you hear it every weekend that they're... They're doing the um, street uh, takeovers every weekend mm-hmm. <laughs> here in LA, and so it's just uh, incredible how it's still, you know, going on. But uh, if you looking at the the box office for all the Fast and Furious movies, you know the 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 domestic box office really never went over kind of that two hundred area. Like I think the most successful was like around two forty domestic. But those international numbers just always kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Like it, at one point, you know, the international num- international numbers were smaller than the domestic numbers. But with Fast Five, you know, it, it you know it, it got bigger and then it kept you know basically doubling and tripling while the domestic numbers basically stayed about the same. <laughs> yeah. Well, Raymond, you actually went to go see this uh, Fast X this weekend. What what do you think? Of it? What's your quick review of it? Um. Well. I, I don't really have anything like too different than to say than any anybody else. I I agree with what pretty much everyone else is saying that uh, Jason Momoa is great and that he uh, he he makes the movie a bit more enjoyable and watchable than it should be. Um, I also think John Cena is really fun in the movie because he's basically just doing the kind of peacemaker type of performance now. He's not really doing the character he was. They completely retconned everything. He's not doing the character anymore from the last movie. Mm. And, um, and, um, ah, the movie's way too long. And the, the story is just miserable. It's, it's becoming more soap opery than ever. It feels like a, a soap opera with, uh, with, with cars and, and over the top CG video game style action. And look, I think the action was really fun. But I don't really understand what a lot of critics are talking about when they're like, this movie is way better than the last one. Personally, I didn't think the last one, uh, the ninth one, was as bad as a lot of critics were saying. I didn't think it was good, but I didn't think it was as bad as critics were saying. 
they're saying that this is a huge improvement. I think it's the same thing. Basically, it's just longer. Uh-huh. I think all the same problems F9 has, this movie has. The only difference is, you know, um, Jason Momoa is a much better villain to watch than John Cena. And but and, and also, John Cena is actually being used very well in this movie, unlike in F9. But those are that's pretty much the only, you know, differences in, in quality. Like, they both have the same story issues. They're both like basically cartoons, and then, and then I think in, and for me I think in many ways this one's kind of a little worse than F nine because the dialogue, it it's not it's not like they're it's like they're not even trying anymore. <laughs> like I know the I know the dialogue was always like cartoony since Fast Five and like very corny and but like the the level of laziness and and the and the dialogue I just I just took me out of the movie and after a while it just bored me and like i watched the movie in 4dx with the motion seats and all that and you know it, there's there's like the smoke machine in the theater and all that so if i didn't see it in 4dx i would have fallen asleep because there was many <laughs> times where i was falling asleep but then the motion seats would wake me up <laughs> like th- I, this this franchise i guess is maybe not for me anymore like i enjoyed the action i enjoyed seeing all these action stars there's so many cameos in the movie i like i like seeing all these people i think everyone for the most part is good with the material that they have to do but well, everyone except uh, Vin Diesel and Ludacris, who uh, I just think are are awful. And I, I was rewatching part of the original Fast and the Furious movie, and it's it's crazy how you know Vin Diesel was so charismatic in that film, and how he's just this kind of like moping family family kind of <laughs> loser. And same with Ludacris, like he was so energetic in Too Fast, Too Furious. He was basically just himself, right? Mm-hmm. And now he's just like basically like Vin Diesel, like. I'm serious. And it's like, no, you're not, man. He, he, he just shaved off his fro and he's like, he's, he's a, a tech genius now. He was a mechanic. <laughs> These movies are so stupid and they, and they keep getting more stupid. It's, it's ridiculous. Well, um, well, I think uh, your, your sentiment is exactly what a lot of people are saying nowadays about the franchise and the frustration they're having with the franchise. And I think that's why we see the number in the U.S. so low where i think it translates but it's still i think it's still going to end up making about you know 180 200 million domestic which is about what the other ones made uh-huh. mm. I, that's all i'm trying to say it's like it has the same i don't think it's audience and domestically it's necessarily getting bigger or smaller i think yeah. f9 you know underperformed because it came out during the pandemic uh-huh. but if it came out now i think it would still have made about 200 million 220 and I think that's what this is going to make, probably. Uh-huh. I, I don't know. I just don't think the audience for this is getting bigger or smaller. But internationally, it seems to be getting bigger and bigger with each movie. Is it? Is it the the fan base in the U.S.? Are they kind of growing out of it and then becoming, you know? I think I think critics and people like me and you know are growing out of it. But I know a lot of people um, that love this franchise, and you know, I, I I think they just love the characters, and I don't I don't think that's going to stop. Okay. I mean, fandom. Fandom will stick with characters through, through everything, right? I guess. I guess. Well, Raymond, watching the action sequences, did you um, did you notice any differences between Louis Leterrier's version version of this or Justin Lin? I mean, is it basically the same thing, or or do you notice it's, a lot more better action scenes? It's basically the same thing, but you know, uh, hats off because that's what he was hired to do, right? Yeah, I mean, and he came in the very last minute and really he did a good he job. To, yeah, he really didn't have much to going for him. You know, he, mm-hmm. he could have easily dropped the ball. And I mean, I, this, I, this, I, it, 
I will say though, also maybe maybe people will like this, but this I think this Fast and the Furious, they really do kind of acknowledge that this is kind of like a a blockbuster action soap opera, because like even in the in like the finale of the movie, I feel like the score it's still like a blockbuster score, mm-hmm. but there's like a dramatic soap opera undertone to it while the melodramatic stuff is happening, and I I feel like they're aware that this is becoming a soap opera. Mm-hmm. And the movie kind of ends on this cliffhanger that's kind of like soap opery. If, if if soap operas were you know two hundred million dollar action movies, mm-hmm. and um, I I don't know. I think I think the audience is in for it. <laughs> <laughs> My audience loved it. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. Um, let's talk about Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. This is their third week. Yeah, I mean it's uh, dropped forty seven point seven percent and. It's still a strong hold for uh, uh, for the third week. Um, so yeah, it's got uh, it's got over two hundred sixty six million domestic. So it's it's creeping up there. It's going to be up there with the other two films. So oh, it's definitely. Gonna, I think it's definitely going to become the most successful of the in the Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy. But for me, this is a bigger uh, drop than I was hoping. I was kind of expecting this movie to have uh, stronger legs. But I think um, Fast and the Furious kind of ate some of its audience. I think it kind of um, took part of the audience away. And uh, I think um, Guardians is still, you know, on track, I think, to become the most successful in the trilogy. And that's a good thing. I mean, what more can you ask for? But I was kind of hoping it would be a billion-dollar movie. And I don't think it's going to happen. Okay, you know, let's uh, jump a little bit forward. Uh, Rich, could you uh, tell us about the remaining movies in the top ten? Coming in at number six is John Wick Chapter 4. Coming in at number seven is Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. Number eight is Hypnotic. Number nine is Love Again. And round of the top ten is Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Amongst Thieves. Well, let's continue to move forward and let's turn our attention to the upcoming weekend. Uh, Rich, could you please inform us about the movies that are scheduled to hit theaters this Friday? Opening up wide release this weekend will be The Little Mermaid. This is Disney's li- latest live action remake of a classic animated musical this one features singer actress Haley bailey in the title character along with javier bardem as ariel's overprotective father king triton and melissa mccarthy as the villainous sea witch ursula also coming out in wide release is about my father this is a new dysfunctional father-son comedy starring comedian sebastian maniscalco and screen legend rob de niro also coming out in wide release is The Machine. This is the new comedy from stand-up co- comic and podcaster Bert Kreischer. The film is loosely based on Bert's real-life drunken stories and stand-up act in which Star Wars icon Mark Hamill plays his father. And finally coming out in wide release is Kandahar. This is a new military th- thriller that stars Gerard Butler as an undercover CIA operative who finds himself stuck in hostile territory along with his Afghan translator played by Naveed Nekaban. Um, yeah, so uh, The Little Mermaid, I think the if we were, lo- we're looking at the box office tracking for that movie, it's about $110 million, maybe a little bit lower to $90 million in between that. That's what I was thinking. I think, I, yeah, I think it's going to probably come in around like 88 to $92 million. Is this for the four-day weekend? I'm expecting that for three-day. Mm. And I'm expecting it to have a big drop, second weekend drop. Mm. But I still think it's going to make a lot of money. Yeah, uh seeing how abc gambled on the little mermaid uh, during Oscar, the oscars uh <laughs> debut in the trailer i mean uh, you would think that they're you know they were really happy with it so yeah i wouldn't be surprised if this makes 
you know, overall the weekend, um, the four day weekend around 120 million. So we'll see. I mean, we talked about awareness, you know, people, how, how, how many people are, are actually aware about what movies are coming out in theaters. And I gotta say the little mermaid is, it has a lot of buzz are surrounding mm-hmm. it, even though it has, you know, these, these arguments about it too. I mean, it's getting mixed reviews. Yes. Oh, it is? But I, I, I gotta say, it's because it's Disney, it's, you know, these live action remakes of these kind of classic uh, animated movies, they, they tend to do very well, even though critically it's, it's you know, a lot of these movies are, have gotten bad reviews, but a lot of it is because the, these movies are critic proof. And uh, I think this, I think that's what's going to happen here. I think uh, the movie's not going to be that great, but it doesn't matter because people are just going to watch it and... They're going to go with their families and they're going to have a fun time this Memorial weekend, Memorial Day well, the weekend. Hope, the hope for Little Mermaid is that um, it can repeat the success of uh, Aladdin. Yes. And Aladdin, because I don't think it's going to repeat the success of, of Lion King, you know, and be like, well, that made like uh, almost $2 billion, right? Or mm-hmm. something that was huge. I don't think it's going to do that. But I do think it, it has a good chance of repeating the success, success of Aladdin. And also, like Aladdin, you know, Aladdin also got, you know, mixed reviews. A Little Mermaid seems to be getting slightly, a little better reviews, but it seems to be getting the same criticisms. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, I mean, it, it really depends how audiences, you know, respond to it. It seems like audiences responded really, really well to Aladdin. I think a lot of that had to do with Will, with Will Smith. Will they, you know, respond positively to Melissa McCarthy? Because I think a lot's riding on her. Mm. And a lot, obviously, is uh, riding on how audiences respond to uh, Haley Bailey. It seems like uh, most people are going to respond negatively to a lot of the sea creatures and to um, the <laughs> uh, um, uh, Javier Bardem. Oh, it's funny because I watched a couple of clips of of the Little Mermaid thing, the Little Mermaid, and I was like, man, this looks like like cats, <laughs> you know, <laughs> with all the extra digital hair and you know everything's floating i just it feels weird it feels like it's hitting that uncanny and, valley thing oh yeah and and you know also because of that i think there's going to be a lot of people you know because you know they grew up with the animated film i think it's just a lot of people that are going to watch this out of curiosity like oh yeah yeah is this thing going to work like is this mm. thing going to be that bad like i think there's actually a lot of people just wondering that they go see it and just wondering like like how bad is this thing going to be <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> Yeah. But I, I, I think every kind of live action Disney adaption has that because honestly, I've seen every live action Disney adaption, and a lot of them I watch out of curiosity, just like how bad is this thing going to be? <laughs> and I don't think I'm alone. I think a lot of people, especially people my age that grew up with these movies, I think a lot of us go watch these like just out of curiosity. Like, did they pull it off? Probably not, but let's find out. Yeah, and I don't know what what kind of uh, hold that Rob Marshall has with Disney itself. <laughs> I mean, all his films were were were, were Disney films and. Uh, this is a, you know, I mean, the, Disney's last film that, that was based on a, a, a you know, a, a cartoon was um, Peter Pan. And look, they, they put that on Disney Plus and that, that was, uh, you know. I forgot about P- mm-hmm. Peter Pan. That just came out. I was thinking of Pinocchio. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I mean, those. Yeah. And those two were horrible. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Rob Marshall's turnouts um they're they're maybe 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 you know into the woods and mary poppins returns i mean they were just okay to the you know the average audience exactly maybe that's maybe that has a lot to do with maybe it's because the last two uh live action uh disney movies or live action adaption of disney animated movies 
we're so bad that people are watching this and they're like, well, you know, I guess it's okay. <laughs> Maybe that's a lot of the reason why people aren't hating it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because the last two were so bad. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the, the two comedies here. You got uh, About My Father and The Machine. Two uh, kind of centered on comedians. Uh, two comedians who are uh, trying their hand at, at Hollywood. Uh, what's your thoughts on this? I mean, this is, are they going to cancel each other? I don't think they're going to cancel each other because they seem like movies are made for completely different audiences. Um, the Machine is like a kind of R-rated comedy. Um, I don't know if it's going to find its audience, but I think the audience that it's kind of going for is like the kind of Key and Peele audience, the Keanu audience, which I think is from the same director as mm -hmm. Keanu. Yeah. So I think that's the audience it's kind of going for. That movie wasn't a huge success, but... Um, and then the the uh, the the other movie about my father mm -hmm. that feels like a more like of a meet the parents type of movie, and I don't know if there's an audience for that type of film anymore. Uh, I know when I was growing up, those movies were always successful, but um, we'll see, right? I mean, I I think the machine is has the better chance of being successful of being a hit, and I think that it's going to probably come in with ten million this weekend. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the um, about my father is probably going to come in with uh, six million, but I hope they both do better. Yeah, I mean, I can't tell with these guys. I mean, uh, years ago, I thought uh, Howard Stern's Private Parts was going to be a hundred million dollar opening, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I barely came in with like what, oh, a ten, was 15, it? 18 million, yeah, million. yeah, something like that, and. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, you never, you never can tell. I mean, uh, I mean, hopefully the movie's, you know, somewhat good. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, they haven't put out the reviews yet. Yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, every once in a while I watch, uh, the adventures of Ford Fairlane and, uh, uh you know, uh, could it be that good? <laughs> uh, we'll see. <laughs> uh, let's well, talk about with that director. Uh, <laughs> before we move on, let's talk about Gerard. Gerard Butler's next film here, Kandahar, which is Ugh. feels like feels exactly like, or at least just, you know the the log line here feels exactly like Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, which actually did poorly in the box office. Mm -hmm. Is that going to repeat here with the with Kandahar? Well, I think this might actually do do a little better, just because um, I I can't believe I'm going to say this right now, but I think Gerard Butler's audience is more loyal than mm. jake gyllenhaal's audience <laughs> uh, let me say this i did see the covenant on vod and i absolutely mm -hmm. loved it and I, i'm shocked that it did so bad in the box office because it's, well you didn't see it in theaters <laughs> well i know i did that's true I'm, well i'm shocked that it <laughs> i'm shocked that it did, did so bad in the box office because a lot of people were like me no i'm shocked because <laughs> i'm shocked because um I would think that it would appeal to like a Top Gun Maverick audience. It was very in the same vein. You're, we're dealing with military. We're dealing with people who are proficient at the job and they're dealing with kind of a uh, against all odds mission. I think a lot of it was marketing because I mean, the no one even knew that movie was coming out. And the, the title also like uh, Guy Ritchie's The Covenant. To me, that sounds like a like a, a gothic book that's uh -huh. based <laughs> yeah. off uh, like some old 
novel from some guy named Guy Ritchie. <laughs> like, is he- I should say this. I think the the Gerard Butler is getting pretty bad reviews, or or the early uh, uh, reactions to the movie has been pretty negative. Yeah, and unfortunately for uh, Kandahar, that's that's the name of the movie. Mm-hmm. It was recently the uh, Regal Monday mystery movie. And like I've been seeing all over like social media that people were like walking out of the film that it was just you know they're saying this is like one of Gerard Butler's worst movies. Mm. That's saying a lot. <laughs> all right, let's talk about limited release. Rich, what movies are coming out in limited? Coming out on limited releases, you hurt my feelings. This is the new relationship comedy from filmmaker Nicole Hofcenter, which stars Julia Louise Dreyfus as a struggling New York writer who has just learned her husband has been lying about his genuine thoughts about her writing for years. Also coming out in limited releases, The Wrath of Becky. This is the sequel to the cult 2020 horror action thriller, which stars Lulu Wilson as a teen vigilante anti-hero Becky Hopper. Well, that Julia Lewis movie, I'm sure, you know, for a movie of its budget, it will do well enough. You know, I'm, I'm, I can't imagine a movie like that costs very much. So I, you know, I think it'll do well enough. And um, the the other movie, uh, Wrath of Becky, I'm surprised that this movie that this movie exists. I, I never heard, like I remember seeing the first Becky. It came out like during the pandemic, I think in 2019 or something like that. Yeah, I did not like that movie at all. I remember they put um, uh, what was it, Kevin James in there? Mm-hmm. He was playing like this Nazi, and I don't know. I thought that movie took itself way too seriously. This one, on the other hand, I think looks really fun. Um, I, they have uh, Sean William Scott in there now. This time playing the new Nazi. Mm-hmm. I don't know this. I, I I hope the movie's good. Um, I'm I'm kind of I might go see it this weekend. I hope it does well. But I'm I'm surprised it's got a sequel. <laughs> I, I remember seeing Becky, and I, I I agree that it was a you know it was indie uh, Home Alone terror thriller, and uh, I I liked it, and I liked the dog too, and uh, they're both back. So please, <laughs> kid. All right, let's talk about streaming. Well, what's uh what's going to be available to stream this weekend? Coming out on streaming is Blood and Gold on Netflix. This is the new WW2 action flick from German filmmaker Peter Tharworth, who previously helmed 2021's Netflix horror thriller Blood Red Sky. Also coming out on streaming is Reality, uh, which will be streaming on Max, which is formerly known as HBO Max, on Monday, May 29th. This is the new tense docudrama that stars Euphoria's breakout Sydney Sweeney as NSA whistleblower reality winner. All right, that's about it for this box office report. We'll be back next week. We'll see how well The Little Mermaid does in the box office, and we'll talk about the new movies coming out next week. All right, bye-bye, everyone.